In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel reading unfolds as the principal celebration of the year is at hand. Passover is in the air, the time to both remember and to make present the saving and liberating action of God. It's a time when the enslaved were once set free from the crushing hand of Pharaoh and led on a 40-year journey to the Promised Land. And in each subsequent year, the holy day is remembered and brought into the present tense, real presence, so that the people of God can once again enter into the glorious liberty of a life lived on purpose for God's sake. And because the Passover is drawing near, the temple is packed. Pilgrims from every direction have come to offer their sacrifice. They've come to draw near to God with their souls and bodies. They've come to Jerusalem to keep the feast of freedom. They've come to renew the great covenant of God's promise to be in loving relationship with his people. And with the covenant renewed and relationship restored between the human and the divine, justice is to flow like a mighty river from the temple to every corner of the land through a renewed people. This is the holy season when Israel's calling to be a light to all the nations is rekindled. Jesus, as is his custom, joins his people in Jerusalem as a pilgrim. He's entered the city and made his way to the temple, his father's house, the beating heart of Israel's life. And it's in the courtyard of the great temple that we find money changers at their folding table set up to meet the throngs of people preparing for the Passover. And the scene would have been loud, crowded. Think more of the hustle and bustle of an industrial factory and less of the religious picture you might have in mind of an organ prelude and contemplative silence. Money changers are making a tidy profit as they convert currencies from various parts of the Roman Empire into the only coin whose use was permitted for the payment of the temple tax. And then you have the dealers of sheep and cattle and doves, which of course were needed for the sacrificial offerings. Thousands of priests would have been at work every day, slaughtering the animals. This is a factory in the business of making religion. And as we come face to face with Jesus in the courtyard this morning, on the third Sunday in Lent, he has a prophetic word for us. It's a word that's meant to turn over the tables of idolatry in our lives, a word meant to shock us out of our conception of power and success and whatever we think of as wisdom and common sense. 
The point of the gospel scene is not that Jesus is opposed to religion as some would like to have him. He is devoutly religious, just like all of the prophets before him. But when religion is used to crowd out and distort the love and service of the true God, well, he'll clearly have none of it. We can so easily deceive ourselves and begin to manufacture religion to suit our tastes, to make ourselves feel comfortable about what we do, what we've done and what we've left undone. We can too easily fall into the trap of projecting our ideas of power and success onto the screen of heaven, creating gods that justify all our ways, even if they oppress the poor. In the early 1930s, the brilliant and feisty Anglican mystic Evelyn Underhill wrote to Archbishop of Canterbury Cosmo Lang to remind him that God is the interesting thing about religion and people are hungry for God. She felt the need to state the seemingly obvious because she noticed that clergy too often seem to forget that people come to church looking for God. I think that Evelyn's message succinctly gets to the point of Jesus's confrontation with us this morning. And it's a lively word for Lent because the interesting thing about Lent is turning back to God, the love and service of the true God. Do we want to keep chasing after the gods that suit our taste? Are we taking refuge in the religion factory of our projections or the saving power of the cross of Jesus Christ? Idolatry or truth? And do we believe it matters? I think this reading comes at a good time for us on our Lenten journey as we enter into week three and draw more closely to the cross and our holiest day of the year. Because if we've been drifting along and not paying close attention to the life of our spirit this Lent, first of all, be easy on yourself and recognize that we are all tired and worn down since last year's Lent. But perhaps this morning's reading, the word Christ wants to have with us, perhaps this is the invitation we need to let him in to the temple of our bodies this morning and to set about rearranging the furniture. What gods are we serving with all of our busyness, power, success, money, how far are we involved in the religion factory of projection? Will we let Christ and his suffering way of love have his way with us this Lent? 
Or will we hang on for dear life to the rigged folding tables of the money changers and keep sacrificing the poor? Do we pride ourselves on being wise in the ways of the world? Or do we seek freedom in the cross of Christ who is the power of God and the wisdom of God? These are just some of the questions before us today. Now let's imagine the silence that must have been heard in the temple after Jesus cleared that great space. I think that he wants to create the same in us if we'll let him in, if we'll let him turn over the tables. And we can discover that in the silence that he creates around himself is the space for God to be at home and the place where all human beings may be at home. In the silence of the temple, Jesus draws the circle around himself as wide as the whole earth, wide enough for you too. This morning, we gather around him who is the wisdom of God. We come to the temple of his body, made present in the sacrament of the altar. Here is the space he's cleared for us to be at home with God and at home with each other, wide enough for the whole world, wide enough for me too. As we prepare to celebrate the great sacrament of the new covenant and allow the spirit to activate Christ's real presence in our lives, let us be clear-eyed that it was not only the temple of the first century in Palestine that needed spring cleaning. We need it. We need Lent. Because the interesting thing about Lent is God, the love and service of the true God. And it's only the real presence activated in our lives that can bring us, our souls and bodies into the glorious liberty of the kingdom, tasting the joy of angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.